Welcome, everyone, to episode 186 of Some Like It, Scott. I'm your host, Scott Shelton, and on this week's episode, it's a very special episode because we're recording in person. That's right, we will be talking about our most anticipated movies of 2022, and we're going to be doing it face-to-face with each other, so we have to look each other in the eyes when we tell each other the movies that will not be coming out this year, and in fact will be coming out next year instead. But Scott... How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, we are in person um, here at my apartment. Actually, we're sitting across from each other, like Scott said. Real ones will remember the time that we did an in-person episode when I was in the bathroom, which actually was our most anticipated episode, Scott, from a few years ago. I don't know if you recall that or not. But That's funny. We have a tradition, I guess, with this episode. But um, yeah, no, I'm happy to be here. I actually feel pretty confident about the movies that I picked, at least in my top five this year, that they're going to come out. Last year, of course, I had Apollo 10 and a half and The Northman at the top of my list. And I told you when we recorded that episode that The Northman was not coming out. And I understood that The <laughs> Northman was going to be a long shot. Um, but, however, the thing is, they're both coming out in the next month. So, That's true. Um, they did within come a mo- out. Within, within a month of recording this, they did we will come have out. reviewed those We movies. just anticipated them a little bit longer. So I don't feel too bad. Like It's not like Under the Silver Lake, which came out. Way later. Didn't even come out in theaters. Um, and didn't come out in theaters, <laughs> yeah. right. Uh, well, I mean, you could argue that Apollo 10 and a half isn't really coming out in theaters, but we knew that that little, was going to be A little case. different. Yeah. A24 is still distributed under the Silver Lake, which is the hard right. part. Where and Netflix we, we, knew that, yeah, we knew that yeah. Apollo 10 and a half was going to be a Netflix movie pretty early on. but Which is why we didn't really know whether it was going to come out next year, mm-hmm. because they don't really give release dates so far in advance. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm excited, Scott. You know, it is April now, I guess, so we are, you know, in the fourth month of the year already when we're doing this, but... Um, well, we're not recording in April, but this will be released in yeah. April. Yeah. Um, I was trying to, you know... Yeah, uh, it's fine. Anticipate that part of it. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, act like we keen were. listeners will know that... Uh, we're just we're just in shock post Academy Awards, Scott. We're just in yeah. shock that it's that unbelievable. Nightmare the Nightmare Alley, Alley won Best, Best Picture. Picture. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad we we didn't even coordinate that before <laughs> we said it. So I'm glad we said the same film. Yeah, no, we're not really good at keeping up the facade ever about when we're actually yeah. recording as opposed to when to, when something's being released. But uh, yeah, no, there's still like obviously a, a ton of great movies sure. to come out over the course of the year. Um, and even though we're doing this. Some people might be like, why aren't you doing the most anticipated, you know, in April or whatever? I mean, you know, but most of the movies that I feel like we end up lo- loving don't really come out until, you know, at yeah. least midpoint or further on um, this year. Actually, I mean, I, usually they don't come out. Yeah, well, yeah, that too. <laughs> but this year actually has been a little bit of, bit of an exception. I mean, between, sure. you know, the movies we watched at Sundance, like Cha-Cha Real Smooth and After Yang. I mean, those um, movies definitely would have been on my list for this year. Yeah. If I hadn't seen them already. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like Kimmy and X, which are a couple movies that I really loved mm-hmm. recently. We just walked out of the theater. We just watched X. X. Yeah, I watched it yeah. for the second time today. But, yeah, I mean, those are all movies that I could see ending up on my top ten list. So it has been a really good start to the year, but I think it's only going to get better as we go on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's definitely a good start. I feel like a lot of years, and it's not untrue this year as well, that a lot of my most anticipated list is is stuff that ends up being parts of franchises that I'm, you know, are near and dear to my heart or, you know, I'm just a really big a really big fan of the the, the prior films in their in their franchises. I will say there's quite a few movies on your list um, that I would have put on mine that aren't franchises. Um, and you are more usually inclined to that direction of putting non franchise films. It's true. Into into your list. So um, I guess I'll start with that. But th- yeah, it's it's Look, last year I think we we thought it was going to be a good year. We, yes, there were movies that were on our most anticipated list that made it into our top ten list last year. But like every year, come the business end of of the season, when we get into 
you know, festival time and late year dramas, Oscar Beatty type movies, if that's the right word. I mean, those films rose to the top on our list at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, I mean, Drive My Car, not my number one of last year. I mean, Dune was my number one. It was my most anticipated movie. You know, it was one of the, it was the rare exception of unlike um, Fantastic Beasts, yeah. <laughs> Crimes of Grindelwald or whatever. See, it, we flipped last yeah, year because yeah. usually I call my shots pretty good. Like, you know, in 2019, I had yeah. Midsommar, Little Women, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood all in my, yeah. and that was like three of my top four there for the year. But like last year, you know, the only movie that I had that even made my top 20 was The Power of the Dog. Um, right. And it only barely, is it even in your top 20 still? It, I don't know. It may not be. Yeah. Because I think. A couple yeah. of things may have pushed it out. I don't yeah. know. But anyway, that was the only thing. And then, you know, part of that, though, was because two movies just didn't even come out. Um, yeah. And, and you didn't put Licorice Pizza on your, well, Soggy Bottom at yeah, the time. Yeah, I did not. Um, yeah. And, but even carrying over, like I had yeah. Last Night in Soho from like the previous year, and that didn't yeah, turn yeah. out well. No, so I'm, I'm going to write the ship this year. I'm feeling confident. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at your list right now. I think you've got plenty of reasons to be confident about, on, about your list. I'm relying on directors who have really never done me wrong. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's so true. Far. Which Edgar Wright, Which I was really say Edgar had, Wright hadn't really done you wrong. But, but also, he none of his movies I would have said are like any of my favorites. You know, I, sure. I love some of them, but sure. like you know, the directors we're going to be talking about today, yeah, a lot of them, you know, have movies that I would consider among my favorites of all time. So, yeah, that's fair. Well, Scott, I think. I mean, unless you have anything else you want to say about 2020, I mean, I guess. What I was saying to, to finish that point is I have my list of films that I'm sure that I will probably enjoy this year. Um, who knows what unknown director that I've never heard of will release two films at the New York Film Festival. Yeah, exactly. And I'll now be, you know, a, a Gucci gang uh, member. So Yeah, that's that's part of the fun of it for sure. Is I wasn't expecting, you know, Red Rocket, for example. I, you know, yeah, maybe, if, maybe if I'd looked into it a little bit more, I would have known. But, like, really, the movie did come out of nowhere. You know, Sean Baker was trying to make something sure. else or whatever. Yeah. Um, so so things like that. Obviously, Sean Baker, not like an unknown filmmaker like you're talking about with yeah. Ryusuke Hamaguchi. But, um, yeah, I mean, they, there are always things that end up surprising us over the course of the year, too. I didn't expect that I was going to love The French Dispatch as much as I did. That's so. true. And now you've roped us into doing an entire podcast countdown series. Uh, I believe I'm, you were the no, one who I did. suggested I did it, suggest yeah. that. That is definitely true. Um, but did we even... I think it's hilarious. Did we even put his film um, in one of our lists for this year for most We may not have. I don't know. Uh, uh, it's just... it's one. Of, it almost feels like it goes without saying at this point. Yeah. But like... Yeah, I, I don't know. We I, I don't think we did. I don't. Th- I mean, I don't. I didn't have it in the ten films that I'm looking at. Some of them are, are movies I kind of want to draw more attention to. Yeah, totally. Um, and yeah, I we did like not put Asteroid City um, in yeah, either of our lists. Everybody's going to know about you know new Wes Anderson movie coming out. This is you know three and four years or something now. Um, is it? But yeah, I mean, I Love Dogs was 2018, and then um, yeah, he had okay. French Dispatch yeah. last year, and now that's true. Asteroid City this year. So, and I've heard that this is a sidebar a little bit here, but I've heard that he's basically um, being a lot more economical with his productions nowadays. Whereas he used to be very meticulous yeah. about the way he he's going full set made films. Yeah. yeah, he's he's really trying to be very economical nowadays, and that's why he's able to pump movies out quicker than he was in the past. But I mean, Isle of Dogs was an animated movie, which is yeah. obviously a very different type of film. But that's very involved. It takes. It, I mean, that's a big production. Stop right? motion. Yeah, stop yeah. motion. It's yeah. a huge production. Um, so maybe he'll, I don't know, do some hand-drawn stuff, make a short film or something next on his animated movie. We'll but anyway, that's Asteroid City. Somehow that was the first film that we talked about, <laughs> even though it's not the not on either one of our lists. But Scott, do you want to start out with just throwing out, you know, your five movies that didn't make your top five? Sure. 
Yeah, so my five movies. First of all, I have Tar. This is uh, from Academy Award-nominated uh, filmmaker Todd Field. It's going to be his first movie in, I believe, 16 years since Little Children was uh, released. Is he about to campy in it? Yeah, maybe he is. But uh, his first movie, In the Bedroom, I just watched recently. Um, and I thought that, that was a wonderful movie. Um, very sad, very sad movie. But uh, he's a strong filmmaker. This is a Kate Blanchett uh, film starring her as a German orchestra director um, and composer, I believe. Um, there's a few other people. I think Mark Strong is also in this movie. Um, the subject matter isn't necessarily what interests me. Again, it's more kind of like a Jane Campion story, like you said, of Todd Field coming back after 16 years um, to make his third film. So that's one to look for. Another director who I always look out for, David Fincher. Um, I was shocked this didn't make your top five. Yeah, again, it's kind of, it, it goes without saying almost. I kind of want to just draw attention to some other movies. Um, although, you know, like my number one movie is one of the least uh, kept heard, secrets yeah, out there. I've heard but, he's a director. Yeah, <laughs> um, but we'll get to that in a, a minute. But yeah, David Fincher's The Killer. We also don't just just don't know very much about this movie so far. Well, Michael I assume, Fassbender I assume there's is, a killer? Yeah, Michael Fassbender yeah. is going to be in it. That's about all we really know at this point. But it's called The Killer. Maybe it's him getting back to his roots of making crime films, which, you know, Gone Girl... Uh, Seven, Zodiac, some of my favorite Back films of all time. Back to his roots, as in like this second most recent well, film. I'm I, saying I know, Seven, know, you know, being his breakthrough movie, uh, was a yeah. crime film. But I mean, he's done, it's clearly, not, sorry, not to throw a pun out here, but it's clearly on his mind. I mean, he made Mindhunter. Sure. Um, sure. Which is of that vibe. Yeah. At least. So this is one that like could very well end up being in my top two or three movies of the year, but, but you know, I'm just moving it a little further down on every, on the anticipated, because everybody knows about this movie. Yeah, can you imagine? Knows. We're going to have to do a full new countdown series now. We're going to have to basically redo our countdown series, because he's got a new movie coming out. That's the rule, right? We have to redo yeah. the entire director filmography every time? We're running it back. We'll just re-release the episodes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, the next movie I have is Poor Things. This is Yorgos Lanthimos' upcoming movie. I was um, surprised to see this. I didn't know how big of a Lanthimos fan you are. Well, I think the the thing for this for me in this movie is the cast. I mean, I do like um, you like the favorite, the Lobster. I really like the favorite. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you just haven't really adventured I, out to his other stuff. I like him as an uh, you know being an interesting director, but this cast. I mean. Uh, Mark Ruffalo, you know, one of my favorite actors, Willem Dafoe, yep. uh, Margaret Qualley, Emma Stone, uh, Christopher Abbott, you know, really, really strong cast of a lot of people that are kind of like, if I see them in a movie, I am I get excited, and they're all in this movie. It's going to be another Victorian set film like um, the, favorite. the Favorite was. It's apparently going to have some sci-fi aspects to it, so Why that's not? somewhere that uh, maybe is a little new for Lanthimos, so this could be a cool one for sure. It depends on how you define... He's done a lot of supernatural stuff, yeah. not, not necessarily sci-fi. So yeah, that could be could be interesting. Yeah, uh, Scott. The next movie I have is Babylon. This yeah, is one we've not? been hearing about Absolutely. for a long time. Damien Chazelle's. I feel like we talked about this film <laughs> at the time we had we reviewed First Man on the podcast. It's been. I feel like we've had rumors of this one. Forever. Yeah, um, and we still don't really know a ton about the subject matter. It's going to be you know set in old Hollywood. Yeah. It's going to be it's his mank. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a drama. It's not a musical like. La La Land was. But Emma Stone um, is in it. Emma Stone, no, Emma Stone is not in it. No, not um, in it. 
she's in the the Lanthimos film. Uh, she's not in. I thought she was in both. Okay, no. no. Brad Pitt, Tobey Maguire, Margot Robbie, Samara Margo, Weaving, Margo, Olivia Wilde. I literally made this mistake the other day. We yeah. were talking about this. We were film going like through the cast yesterday. Catherine <laughs> yeah. Waterston, Gene Smart. You know, we literally talked about cast. this cast yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it happens. But Damien Chazelle is a great director. I've yeah. enjoyed all three of his films um, to varying degrees. First Man is one I've wanted to go back to ever since I watched it, just because there are some parts of that movie that I think are so spectacular. Sure. Um, that I feel like I might like it even more on a rewatch. And then the last movie I wanted to talk about, Scott, Black Glasses. This is one that's a little more under the radar. This is from Dario Argento, the famed Italian giallo horror director, um, kind of the maybe the inventor of the, the genre, or at least one of its you know most notable figures. Uh, but Suspiria, the original, being sort of his most notable film, you know, later remade in 2018 by Luca Guadagnino. But um, this movie is going to be a Giallo-style horror movie. Um, it's about a blind woman who's investigating some killings. Um, his, Why not? His daughter, Asia Argento, is going to be playing the lead role. He's 81 years old now, Dario Argento. And this movie uh, apparently only clocks in at like a 90, 90, 92 minutes or so. so. Is it coming out soon? How do you know this already? Um, it's on. It's listed on IMDb, the oh, running wow. time is. But okay. yeah, I, I think um, yeah. this to me has like a, this could be like one of those goofy fun movies like you know, and, and honestly we've already had like like Kimmy was that, is has already been kind of that for me. Like what kind of what malignant Phil last year just that like fun sort of midnight movie that with I wouldn't the, say Kimmy is goofy though it, it is a little I mean I guess what I'm thinking of is just a director just kind of going all Falling out, out yeah you know. just throwing it all out there going over the top with it doing crazy things with the camera just having fun yeah um, that's and, true yeah. Soderbergh did do crazy things with the camera and Kimmy he did yeah and I feel like Dario Argento is you know again that's kind of Giallo is, is almost that's almost it's M.O. I mean... Yeah. But can his heart take it? Malignant though? itself. Yeah. <laughs> Malignant itself was very Giallo-influenced. So um, I feel like this movie could fill that kind of fun genre void for me this year when it does come out. Um, so I'm looking forward to Black Glasses as well. Black Glasses. That was the one that I hadn't heard of. So um, thanks for the tip on that one. You're welcome. I guess we'll keep an eye on it. Yeah. So for me, I've got five movies that didn't quite make my top five most anticipated films. I'm going to go in alphabetical order, so this is no particular order for me. But Armageddon Time, which is the one that I quit. When we were talking about Wes Anderson earlier, I had to double check that this wasn't his movie. Because um, Asteroid City sounded a lot like Armageddon, <laughs> Armageddon Time to me. This is the James Gray movie that's coming out this year. His most recent film, Ad Astra, back in 2019. Yeah. Um, really enjoyed that film. Still need to go back and watch um, The Lost City of Z. Z. Um which has been on my list for a while. But I was I remember right before the pandemic, so like beginning of 2020, I saw The Gentleman and Charlie Hunnam is just so offensive in that movie that <laughs> you I'm didn't like want to watch I it. wasn't <laughs> gunning to go watch another well, Charlie Hunnam movie. You could watch The Immigrant as well. That's one that's been on my watch list for a while. Yeah. Which... I, I do think that because I was such a huge fan of the very internal um exploration involved with Ad Astra that I think that I would really enjoy both Lost City of Z and The Immigrant. So I do want to go back and watch those movies uh, before seeing Armageddon Time. Uh, full disclosure, I, this is this film is being distributed by Focus Features. I do work for NBC Universal, which owns Focus Features. So um, take take my excitement with a grain of salt, if you will. Uh, but this film does have Anne Hathaway, Anthony Hopkins, and Jeremy Strong in the three lead roles. A fan of all three of these people. Um, super fascinated to see what Jeremy Strong 
is doing outside of Succession. I mean, Scott, you don't watch Succession, but I'm but you were on logged on to film Twitter in the fall, so you understand all the stuff that around Jeremy Strong. I watched his, the trial of the Chicago Seven. <laughs> true, yeah, and that, and that was that did come up in the New Yorker profile um, that that was done about Jeremy Strong. But I just find him to be such a transfixing actor, um, for better or for worse. Sometimes it is for worse, I think, uh, often for the better. Uh, but what he's gonna do in this film, I'm very curious. Uh, alongside Anne Hathaway, who has been kind of quiet over the last couple years. So I'm excited for her to sort of be getting back in the mix. I mean, she's done some stuff here and there. She's popped up on some talk shows recently. I, I don't know if she had like a streaming movie or something. That so Well, out, so but... she has We Crashed. She's, right, she's, right. Um, okay. uh, shoot, I'm forgetting the guy's name, the WeWork founder's name right now. Yeah. Off oh, top my With head. Jared Led- but Jared, Jared Leto's, Leto's playing him. Yeah. yeah, Andrew Newman, I think is his name. Something Newman. She looks very good. That's um, all I will say about it. P- yeah, right. there were strange <laughs> happenings on Twitter where people were like, "She look, she's aging backwards." I'm like, she's 39. Yeah. She's not even that old. Um, but hilarious, and um, really excited to see her. And then Anthony Hopkins coming off of The Father because I don't know if he's done anything since The Father because it seems to be mostly just enjoying life at this point. Uh, good for him. I'm excited to see this and and what James Gray is able to get out of people is usually pretty imp- well. For me, when I saw Ad Astra, I was impressed with what James Gray was able to get out of um, Brad Pitt, and I'm forgetting who his dad was at the end of the film. Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones, that's right, yeah. Uh, I thought that was really, really good stuff. Um, Darius Kanji's doing the cinematography, so I'm sure it's going to be great. So overall, very excited for Armageddon time. Another one, and this falls into the category of coming out sooner rather than later, uh, but it's a David Leach movie. It's called Bullet Train. Talked about it a bunch on the podcast, actually. But speaking of Brad Pitt, uh, Brad Pitt, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, the uh, original ATJ, I'm told, uh, before Anya Taylor Joy was ATJ. Um, lies, <laughs> lies. Brian Tyree Henry, Andrew Koji, Michael Shannon's in this. Bad Bunny is in this. Joey King. This li- the cast list is pretty long. Zazie Beetz was in this. I think she still is. Yeah, she's in it. She's okay. in the trailer. Yeah, okay. I haven't seen the trailer because I'm very anti-trailer, as we've all discussed. But this one comes out in the middle of the summer in July, which feels right. It feels it was originally coming out in like April or May, I think, but then got pushed back, which I think is fine. Uh, but David Leach, I mean, look, he's had an up and down series of films. Uh, th- I would I would firmly put this in the category, Scott, of. This could this could be high up on my list of movies this year, or it could totally be near the bottom. Right. This is like a chaos uh, pick, which is ultimately probably why it ended up in my honorable mentions and not my top five. Any thoughts on on Bullet Train before we move on? Yeah, it could be fun. Uh, you know, David David Leitch's style of action I think is well established at this point. I think his movies tend to have good set pieces. Sure. Um, I don't know as far as, you know, the story and everything, how well mm-hmm. that part of it is going to grab me. We've well, seen, he has nothing to do with the story, but yeah. yeah. We've seen a lot of, uh, you know, on a train type movie, you know, there's Train to Busan, which I guess is more in the horror vein. There's one, like the, one scene in Matrix Resurrections. There's The Commuter, which was that Liam Neeson movie from a few years ago. Girl on a Train. Girl on a Train. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's not necessarily the most original setting, I guess, for sure. an action movie, but it could be like a Snowpiercer type film is what kind of what i'm expecting where you know yeah for you go you go from different car to different car and it's like a video game almost facing different villains and stuff yeah and it's nice it's nice to see brad pitt and and leech together because yeah. he was a stuntman for for years um which is pretty cool and yeah I'm, I'm hoping for something more in the vein of like atomic blonde and obviously john wick although he only co-directed john wick um and and less something like you know um fast and furious presents hobbs and shaw I think was his most recent yeah. directorial outing. 
So yeah, that's a that's a bit of a chaos pick. Could go either way. My next film, I feel pretty confident about. It's the fifth film, and I, I think we discussed this right before going live on the podcast. But I think we, I can say this is the fifth film in the Toy Story franchise. It is Lightyear, uh, upcoming animated film from Pixar. Everything I've heard is that this will actually come out in theaters, um, as opposed to every other Pixar movie for the last year and a half, two years. It'll be a nice change. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to be able to go to a movie theater and, and see this. But Chris Evans is playing Buzz Lightyear, and this is the story of the the, the story that inspired the toy Buzz Lightyear. Is that the way that they're framing it, Scott? I think it's like yeah. the real story behind yeah. the toy or something. I don't know. Something. Lightyear revolves around the origin story yeah. of the fictional Buzz Lightyear, the character who inspired the action figure in the Toy Story films. Um, anyway, yeah, so this is set sort of like in the past, I guess, of the Toy Story universe, and it's obviously it's not set on Earth. Well, maybe the beginning of the movie set on Earth, but he's blasting off into space, and you know, obviously there'll be a lot of recognizable um, things in the film. I assume Zerg is going to be in the movie at some point. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. Look, I, I I I really feel like Pixar is is generally unbeaten. Pete Docter is writing this, which I think is a good sign. He's not directing it. That's going to be Angus McLean, and I think it's his first Pixar uh, directed film or directed film for Pixar. But Pete Docter in the in the writing chair is that a thing people say writing chair with the pen. Sure. Um, I think that 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 gives me even extra confidence in it. Yeah, there hasn't been a, a bad Toy Story movie to to Facts. date. I mean, yeah. there honestly hasn't been one that isn't great. If we're being quite honest, True. so um, I, I admit, I, you know, I roll my eyes a little bit at like, some of the stuff you're talking about. The oh, it's the origin story of the real life Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, or look, it makes sure that makes your makes my eyes glaze yeah. over too. But I just feel like it's going to be a good. It's yeah. it's got that sense of adventure that I I get really excited about those kind of animated movies that are adding some new kind of adventure and and Pixar. They did that with a little bit with like Onward, and I really enjoyed those ele- sort of like fantasy elements of the adventure of that story. And I think that they're doubling down on the sci-fi adventure side of this, which I think is is cool because I don't think they do that very often. Yeah. My fourth film, um, another Universal film, just for full disclosure, it is Jordan Peele's third film. It's Nope. Uh, it's a film that is like a spiritual third film in this trilogy that he's created between Get Out, Us, and and now Nope. It's Daniel Kaluuya who. I mean, another undefeated actor. It seems like at this point. Pretty much. Although, did we? T- I don't know if we talked about his like spiritual counselor uh, on the podcast we or don't, not. I do not want to go down. Okay. That road. Yeah. I mean, look, my, there's some concerning stuff out there. There is. That. My favorite actor of all time belongs to the Church of Scientology, so I'm willing to get past that. But it is concerning. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Now, I have no problem with Tom Cruise is also a favorite actor of mine. Yes. Uh, his. A couple of his movies would be on my list if they were coming out this. Well, Top Gun Maverick is coming out. I don't really care Mission that much. Impossible. If Mission Impossible we're Seven out, were yeah. coming, were coming out this year, I, I that would one hundred percent be on the list. But yeah, Daniel Kaluuya is in it. It's exciting. Kiki Palmer is the second lead, and Stephen Yoon is the third. Bill. Um, all three people I'm excited about. Daniel Kaluuya does stand taller than those in my opinion, um, but that doesn't sort of water down the excitement that I have of seeing Kiki Palmer and. In this kind of movie, with with a big role, presumably, and same for Steven Yeun, um, and who knows what horror direction this will ultimately take. There is a trailer out that I haven't watched. Um, I assume it's good. It's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I haven't heard bad things about it, so that's good. Um, and it's set in an isolated town in California with a bunch of ranch owners, um, James and Jill Haywood, which I believe is Daniel Kluge and Kiki Palmer, and they witness this strange, mysterious, abnormal event, which is I I assume the cloud in the sky from the poster that I've seen. <laughs> Um, is the, is this strange yes. and mysterious event? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, but that's coming out actually like a week after Bullet Train, I think, like in the middle of July. But it's an exciting film. I was not as high on Us as I was on Get Out when I finally saw that film back in twenty, the end of 2017. But it's it's something I'm definitely looking forward to this year because this is the kind of horror movie I even, to a lesser extent, but in the same frame, put X, what we just watched, into this general category of something with you know, horror movie with something on its mind. Um, sure. Which, you know, that, that gets me more excited than, than normal for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm looking forward to that one as well, being a fan of Jordan Peele's other work. Absolutely. And then my last film before we get into the, the nitty-gritty of our lists, Women Talking, the upcoming Sarah Polly film based on a novel of the same name, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Frances McDormand, Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley. Uh, I assume they're just sitting around in their little Mennonite village talking. I hope so. The entire time. I hope so. <laughs> that's that's what I'm left to imply from the title. Uh, ben Wishaw is also in this film, who a, a Mennonite husband, I guess. I don't know. Um, but basically, I think it's these women talking about trauma that they've experienced. Is my understanding uh, pretty serious trauma at that as well? So looking forward to that mainly because these performers are very exciting to me um and the like i i feel like there's a lot of potential to do something really interesting with how you frame this film um and so i'm curious what sarah polly is capable of um i certainly think that there's a lot of potential with the talent and i've only heard good things about her so i think that hopefully those things come together and make something greater even than the sum of the parts yeah like todd field another actor turned director um who has you know made a name for themselves more as a director probably um yeah stories we tell being her most notable film one that i've wanted to see over the years i think really sounds like my type of movie but i think it's been a minute since she has directed anything so kind of will be a comeback for her but yeah scott you know you say the name of the movie being women talking and i'm kind of already in that sounds like my my kind of movie in a way but uh, then you name that cast yeah and you named a lot of uh, favorites for me there so this is one that would have popped up for me you know if if it if it had not been on your list and yeah jesse buckley you know has gotten herself in the oscar race um now uh with the lost daughter this year and i you know i said then i think more nominations are to come and i think she has a couple opportunities this year, one which I'm going to talk about in a minute, but sure. um, this might be her best one uh, to continue the trend. All right, Scott. Well, you said we're, you're going to talk about that film in just a minute. I need to right. go to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. It's fine. All right, Scott. Well, you, talk, you said you're going to talk about a film that Jesse Buckley has a chance at being nominated for in just a minute, but... I think we're there right now. Let's get into our top five list. What's your number five? Yeah, we segued it perfectly, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, you really uh, did. Thank you. Yeah, my number five, Scott, is a movie that I believe is actually the movie on my list that is coming out the soonest. We know it's going to be coming out in late May. Um, this is the Alex Garland film, Men. Um, actually, new, the uh, full trailer just came out this past week. Yeah. Um, very intrigued by this movie. The trailer does a good job of hiding sort of, I think, what the movie is probably about, but... Jesse Buckley. Oh, you don't um, think the film's about men? Well, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it is that simple. But yeah. uh, Jesse Buckley uh, is going to star in this movie. She is playing a woman who her husband dies, and she goes off to this country estate um, for a sort of vacation. And um, she, as all women do when their husbands die, they encou- take a vacation. Yeah, she she encounters Rory Kinnear um, at this banner, and um, he some very weird things 
appear to be going on, as you'd expect, as it's an Alex Garland film. Sure. Um, but again, I think the movie does a pretty good job of hiding what, you know, probably what this movie is really about. Um, but, you know, I've come to trust Alex Garland for sure, doing his weird mind-bending uh, sci-fi stuff in Ex Machina and Annihilation. I think he does a good job of, like, having all of those trippy... Seems less sci-fi, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be trippy, though. Sure. It, it definitely seems like it's going to be trippy. Um, maybe, like, some blending of periods in this uh Ooh, movie um from is a little bit of the vibe i got from the trailer but um but yeah you know he's a he's a good job he does a really good job at telling these stories um and number one emphasizing the human element in them which is what you know connects with that's what ex machina is all about ex machina really. is all about yeah. yeah that human nature and also telling them telling these stories in very contained environments i mean the an annihilation basically takes place all within this shimmer area and then, mm-hmm. um, you know, Ex Machina obviously takes place in the that entirety house. Just in the house yeah. yeah, it seems like that's going to be a similar vibe here. He doesn't use big casts. There's only four people in the cast listed for men: um, Jesse Buckley, Roy Kinnear, and two other people supporting I've never heard actors. Of. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a lot, it seems like, is going to rest on Jesse Buckley, which is fine by me because I think sure. she's proven that she is the type of actress who is capable of carrying an entire movie basically on her. I mean, Wild Rose had some good supporting performances. But, but it was like, her. That movie is nothing without her. Mm-hmm. Like We've seen that story kind of before, but it is it is her performance is what takes that into the stratosphere. So, um, you know, I think that aspect of it gets me excited. And Alex Garland, like I said, he hasn't let me down thus far. It's A24. You haven't seen Devs. But that's true. I haven't. But it's A24 distributing this, who also rarely lets me down. Um, mm-hmm. I think all signs point to this being a, another challenging um, and invigorating, you know, trippy drama from yeah. uh, Alex Garland. So, Men, my number five. Yeah, absolutely. Equally a huge Alex Garland fan for sure. This would have been, I don't know if this would have made my top five, but it definitely would have been in my honorable mentions if it hadn't been on your list. I'm a huge fan of Ex Machina. I feel like we both love Annihilation more than most people. I was a big fan of Annihilation. Um, it was in my top twenty, I think, for yeah. No, I love that movie. I uh, I think it's generally well regarded, but yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, I feel like the acclaim was not that of Ex Machina. Yeah, but I almost I'm not quite there on the same level, but it's like closer than I would have expected. I think, especially after a rewatch, um, Devs. I I was disappointed by. I do think like that, like. The discourse on devs has, like, boomeranged a bit. And I feel like I was more in the majority at one point, and now I feel I like I am very in the minority. A lot of people seem to like yeah, it. Yeah, now people definitely it. talk about it positively. I wasn't that big of a fan of it. It didn't necessarily work for me. Um, but this seems to be something mostly pretty different from what was happening in any of those other movies, which are all very, like you mentioned, Scott, very sci-fi focused. And so to have something that's a bit... Maybe still has that trippy, sort of supernatural or fantastical element to it. It is going to be something that's a bit different. So I am looking forward to that. Um, I think even the last time we talked about Alex Garland, I said I was excited that he might be doing something a little bit different than what his last few have been about. So the fact that he's stretching those muscles a little bit and doing something thematically in line, but feeling a little bit different is something that's a bit refreshing. You mentioned the release date soon. It's May 20th, Scott. My only question for you about this film, is it going to be this year's The Green Knight? Where we all really like it. It even maybe makes top 20 lists or close to it, but it gets forgotten about this time next year. 
Yeah, I could definitely see that being the case. Um, I mean, I don't want the Green Knight to be forgotten about. I know. I mean, we yeah. talked about it on our award show yeah. a couple times, I think. But no one's talking about the Green Knight anymore. Yeah, uh, and that's unfortunate. I, I don't know. I think that's a good comparison point. And honestly, the Green Knight will probably fare ultimately better than uh, than men would. I think the Green Knight at least had the draw of like, oh, it's this Arthurian fantasy yeah. style. I mean, the way that they marketed it a, a little bit, at least. They was, marketed it like a James Gray film, where it's like, oh, look at this adventure that's Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, it was a David Lowry movie. Whereas, like, yeah. men, I think it's very clear what you're going to get. It's being marketed the like trailer, an A24 horror yeah, movie. The trailer, it, you know yeah. what you're going to get, and, you know, a very specific group, subset of people is going to be very into that. You know, the people... Yeah who are very into A24 movies, um, mm-hmm. I think will be on this movie's wavelength, but it's probably not going to reach many people outside of that audience, honestly. Yeah, maybe Which not. is fine. Maybe not. Yeah, no, that, that, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting thought comparison because The Green Knight was a trippy movie that came out, you know, mid to early summer last year. Granted, it wasn't supposed to come out then because obviously the reshuffle of releases over and over again with the pandemic, I mean, I think it even showed, it hadn't it showed already before, like before the pandemic started, like it was either at Sundance in 2020 or it was supposed to be at South by Southwest or something like that. Uh, it had a weird release strategy. Yeah. That's not, doesn't matter. Recall. This podcast isn't about the green Knight. Um, but men, yes, get excited about that. It is coming out in, as a time of recording, you know, less than, less than two months from now. Yeah. All right. My number five, it is the Bradley Cooper directed biopic of Leonard Bernstein called Maestro. Uh, you know, I talked about Jeremy Strong earlier. Jeremy Strong, also in this film, he's playing John Green, but Bradley Cooper's, I guess, romantic interest in this film, uh, Felicia Montaligre, I think is the real-life person's name, uh, Carrie Mulligan is playing. So a really awesome sort of central trio cast here, not unlike the other film that Jeremy Strong uh, is is in that we talked about earlier. But yeah, I'm just, I'm still so shocked, frankly, how much I loved A Star is Born. I was, I mean, you know this, Fairly negative, generally, on Bradley Cooper before that film. And the fact that he was able to, you know, star and direct such a, a film that I that I thought was, you know, one of the best of that year. You know, maybe in other years it wouldn't have been as high up on my list. But in that particular year, it really stood out. I think it was my number three from 2018. Uh, something that I gets me really excited to see his name, you know, on the director. Like, in the director line, he's co-writing this with Josh Singer. Um, clearly, I think... Leonard Bernstein means something to him. Like, I don't know why otherwise he's writing a biopic, Um, you know, writing, directing, starring in a biopic if it doesn't have some personal relevance to him. So I'm hoping he's able to channel some of that passion and energy that I think he put on display in A Star is Born into this. And, you know, Lady Gaga was amazing um, in A Star is Born, but Carey Mulligan and Jeremy Strong, I'd say, are even more proven actors than she was um, and and is, frankly. So I'm excited to see, you know, an even more all-star cast surrounding him in this film. And so I think this is one that, you know, I'll say is I'm taking a bit of a flyer on. I think this one could end up being um, a disappointment, maybe not to the level of disappointment that I've received with other films that I put on my list in the past, but I feel like this could be a, this could be a hit or miss one for me, but he showed enough spark and ability with a star is born that uh, I'm okay putting my faith in him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a star is born was, and, and you know, inauspicious debut to say the least i mean he really 
made a, a name for himself as a director, not just as a performer in Absolutely. that movie. It I was mean, people his, were talking about... Did he get nominated for this? He did not. For, and, and people were talking about talk, he should have been. It was talked about as yeah. a major snub. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, a lot of people were impressed with how well-directed that film is. So, yeah, of course, uh, you know, it's always interesting to see what uh, a director who makes such a strong impression in their first film is going to do in their second film especially when it's an actor like bradley cooper and we have um, another one of those types of movies coming up a little in just a few minutes we do um but yeah so the subject matter again maybe not the thing which is necessarily drawing me towards this but um, same same could be an interesting story that we just don't know that much about and another if, if so, music-based cool. movie probably mm-hmm. i mean presumably there will be some element yeah, of music in this. I, I would say so but um, yeah, I expect this to be probably a big Oscar candidate. Yeah. Um, again, Bradley Cooper is a pretty big Oscar magnet nowadays. He's, you know, for going on 10 years or so now, he seems to pretty get consistent, get pretty consistently nominated um, in the, you know, films or, or be part of nominated films at the very least. Yeah. I mean, Nightmare Alley, I mean, yes, it probably is more because of Guillermo del Toro, but he's the lead in that film this year. This is true. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Not quite, you know... Uh, Super high up there on my list, but um, it could be very good. Yeah. The film, uh, we were talking about whether this will be some, have, have some sort of musical element to it. Unclear if there will actually be music in the film, because I believe there is a bit of a logline. It is very much focused on the relationship between Leonard Bernstein and um, Felicia Montaligre. So it is about their marriage. It is about having you know, them having children, growing old, etc. So that is the focus of the film. I like how Bradley Cooper has been able to in, inject music and the way that he did that into A Star is Born. And obviously, I don't think there's going to be concerts necessarily. Although maybe there'll be concerts in this film. I don't know. Uh, but he's been able to do it in a smart and effective way with A Star is Born. So hopefully he's able to do that here as well. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, Scott, it's time for number fours. What is yours? We're conti- we're, we are continuing the A24 train uh, on my list True. with... The next film from director Ari Aster. This is Disappointment Boulevard. Another Uh, third film from a director as well in terms of... uh... It is, yeah. Um, And this is one where there's still a question mark on the release, I think. I mean, the movie has been filmed. Um, I think it's coming out this year. Yeah, it it is listed as a 2022 movie. We just don't have a specific date or idea yet. But um, yeah, this is obviously Ari Aster being the director of Hereditary and Midsommar. Um, this is his first film since Midsommar. Um, and the, the interesting thing about this movie that we've been talking about since we heard about it is that um, it is apparently going to lean more into, uh, is going to be more of a comedy than uh, his previous films. Um, it's a comedy horror film. I, I've still been trying to wrap my head around what that even means. Yeah, uh, well, I think, um, you know, Midsommar, we did talk about, obviously it's a very dark and disturbing movie, but there are some darkly comedic elements in that movie. There are times when I think he wants you to see the humor in the situation um, Mm -hmm. that Danny and Christian find themselves in in the movie. Um, So I will be interested to see him lean into that a little bit more um, and, you know, give us some sort of nightmarish type comedy. It also seems like the story might be a little bit more grounded. It's going to be sort of a... Not a biopic, because it's not about a real person, but it's going to be a story about an entrepreneur um, who is very successful. And it's supposed to take place over decades, right? It's yeah. To, over a long period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the so, first cut of this was, what, four hours long? Is that what people said? Yeah, that may be the case. I, I don't know about that particular detail. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see. Because, again, I think he did blend comedy and horror pretty well in Midsommar. Not, you know... A ton of comedy, but there is certainly more horror than there, comedy. There are there are uh, traces of it there, 
Um, but yeah, it seems like he's going to be leaning more towards the comedy aspect um, of the movie this time, which is an interesting direction for him to take. I have seen some speculation that this might be based off of one of his earlier short films. Um, a lot of people talked about his short films and everything um, after you know the impression that Midsommar and um, Hereditary um, made. Uh, but yeah, Joaquin Phoenix is the star of this movie. Um, you know, someone I'm always excited to see in movies. Uh, he just, you know, was in one of my favorite movies from last year, Come On, Come On, another A24 film. Um, so I'm happy to see him working with one of my favorite directors in Ari Aster. Parker Posey as well is going to be in this movie, a, a, you know, supporting actor who, uh, character actors, I guess it's fair to call her, who um, I'm always excited to see in stuff as well. Um, and definitely... A very talented as a comedian so that um, you know also makes me believe that maybe this will lean more into the comedy side of things because that's where Parker Posey's career has trended um, but I'm excited to see her you know maybe toe the line a little bit between some comedy and some more serious stuff um, so Disappointment Boulevard yeah I mean it's it's Ari Aster that I'm basically in at that point um, but I also think there are a number of elements about the movie that um, are, are intriguing for sure. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this one and I'm expecting another banger from, like I said, one of my favorite directors. Yeah, it's a film, you mentioned that it has, it seems like it's going to have a lot of differences from his first two outings. And I think another one that you haven't, that you maybe more alluded to and less explicitly said is that the cast is just much bigger for this film. I mean, the cast list on this thing is long. You mentioned Joaquin Phoenix and Parker Posey, but Nathan Lane, Patti Lapone, Amy Ryan, Stephen McKinley Henderson, Michael Gandolfini, Zoe Lister-Jones, Richard Kind. Like, it's such a long cast list. And again, some more comedically inclined actors that sure. you mentioned and, there. Like and Nathan stage Lane actors. And Richard Kind. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely going for a different vibe than, you know, something like Hereditary or, or Midsommar, where, you know, you have really a much smaller cast with people who don't have that sort of background, right? I mean, mostly working with more, like, less veteran actors and actresses. Some exceptions, you're like Tony Collette, et cetera. There are exceptions um, to, to that, but mostly less experienced people. But this time it's very experienced people, but mostly in another medium. So that's interesting uh, angle yeah. there as well. And it does make you wonder what the vibe of this is going to be if you're leaning heavily into people with a lot of stage stage experience i think that that is, i mean i can only assume that is intentional yeah. and so there must be some angle on yeah that. i'd expect some sort of like again surreal nightmarish over the top type comedy probably more so than i would expect you know uh, yuck yucks you know broad sure. studio comedy feel it, or anything it's gonna not, be an a24 movie so i will be deeply uncomfortable if i end up walking into a broad comedy yeah <laughs> with the directing it uh that's honestly more uncomfortable than him making a horror film for me so yeah i i haven't seen hereditary but did uh have a lot on my mind after watching midsommar and so i wonder if he'll be able to recreate that experience this time around yeah my number four is uh, another second film <laughs> from a promising uh director who also was an actor, probably more famous for being an actor at this point. That's Don't Worry, Darling, uh, directed by Olivia. You know, you've got your, like, third films from directors. I've got my second film from directors yeah. who were more famous for being actors. Uh, Olivia Wilde's second outing. This is going to be a psychological thriller, so a little bit different than a coming-of-age comedy, which is what she cut her teeth on back in 2019 when she uh, directed Booksmart. It's starring Florence Pugh, um, who, of course... 
I wouldn't say got famous for being in Midsommar, but certainly is something that that put her on the map for a lot of people. Uh, also, Olivia Wilde, I think, will be in the film as well as Chris Pine, who I believe is. I don't. I actually don't know who's in who's in relationships with who's here. It's very it's a very confusing sort of setup. But most importantly, Olivia Wilde's real life boyfriend Harry Styles uh, is also in this film. That's the only thing people know Harry Styles for, right? So I don't think he's known for anything else. Yeah, that's how I heard of him. Yeah, so. I think he was like an extra in Dunkirk, and Dunkirk, now he's doing yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, an unhappy housewife, which I believe is Florence Pugh in the 1950s, discovers a disturbing truth while her loving husband, who is Harry Styles, but also maybe Chris Fry, again, I don't know who's who here, hides a dark secret. So, psychological thriller, very different vibe. Olivia Wilde directing, uh, Katie Silberman writing the screenplay for this. I think it's more so- known for her co- co- comedy writing, but yeah, talented yeah, yeah, yeah. writer. Yeah. Absolutely. So, a lot of weird, interesting parts of this. The cast list is also much longer than like the four people I listed, like Kiki Lane, Gemma Chan, Nick Kroll. There's like a bunch of other people further down this cast list. But with that, with that sort of the top of top of the line there, with people like Florence Pugh and Olivia Wilde directing, this was something that I think after Booksmart I was always going to be immediately interested in, even though the vibe is, it seems like it's going to be polar opposite the vibe of Booksmart, frankly. So I'm very curious to see what Olivia Wilde has in mind for this because one of the things that she was praised so much, like the cast just talked so much about it, was like how easy it was to make a movie like Booksmart with her and the environment she was able to create on set. Does that translate to this film? What is like what is the directing style? Is, is it going to feel similar but obviously be thematically quite different? I'm just curious about this film in a lot of ways and something about it just really sparks my interest. I'm going to be honest. I think that this is a film that could be bad. I, there is potential for this film to come out and not be very good. Yeah. Um, I have, again, I'm taking a little bit of a flyer on this when I'm acknowledging it. But I mean, look, there's a lot of uh, reasons to also believe it will be good. I mean, sure, when you talk sure. about the talent involved, but yeah, yeah. I mean, Harry Styles. I mean, the guy's been Eternals. He's got a cameo in Eternals. <laughs> I mean, he's amazing. Um, I don't know why I didn't say that when we were talking about what Harry Styles' yeah. credits were. I mean, he's he's Thanos's brother at the at the end of. Uh, at the end of, of Eternals. Spoilers, anyway, yeah. yeah, I guess, sorry, people, first, we were about to watch Eternals on Disney+. Plus. So, yeah, so that's that's coming out. I believe it has a release date. Unclear if that'll hold, but it is coming out towards the end of September. I kind of thought this would be on, like, the festival circuit, to be honest. I'm a little surprised they're not holding it longer. This feels like a movie that would be on the festival circuit. But if it has a release date in mid to late September, it's not going to be showing at festivals, unless it's, like, this, like, sort of, I don't know, like, token debut film that, I don't know... Venice has or something like that, even though it's coming out the next week. Yeah, Scott, any thoughts on on Don't Worry, Darling? I mean, of course, I'm excited about the Florence Pugh of it all. Um, so that that in and of itself, I liked Booksmart quite a bit as well, not sure. as much as you, but um, yeah. you know, I think it was great. And yeah, it's interesting to see her pivot to something different and something original. It's that's still original too. Um, sure. I don't know. When I first heard about this movie, I think I kind of thought, oh, she's just going to be like a Reese Witherspoon, like, uh, production company style, like, adaptation of some novel that middle-aged women read on a beach. But, no, that's not what this is at all. And it's an it original look- screenplay. Yeah, and it looks like it's going to have some interesting story. At, like, the the story, the, what we know of the story, has the potential to go in some interesting directions. It's like this utopian community and everything that they're um, living in. So maybe some um, room for some satire there that... Um, could could be interesting. I mean, again, Katie Silberman is 
is a kind of a question mark. I guess that is the one question mark. Uh, well, that's why I think it's me. a bit of a flyer. It's yeah, like, again, very talented as a comedy writer. She wrote Booksmart. She wrote um, Set It Up, which I really enjoy as well. Um, but if this is the full-on psychological thriller that we're expecting it to be, then that would be a big shift for her. Um, and there have certainly been issues in recent years with people Whoa. behind the camera who are generally known for doing comedies trying their hand at drama. Um, so that makes me a little nervous. But, um, you know, in, in general, I think very excited for this one. Yeah, I mean, one thing to sort of, I think, lend to its credit is that Matthew Libatique is doing the cinematography for this film. Um, recently doing things like A Star is Born, which we were just talking about a few minutes ago, Birds of Prey, last two years ago, 2020? That was 2020. Um, but obviously pretty famous for doing things like Black Swan with Darren Aronofsky, and I think he's pretty much Aronofsky's go-to cinematographer as well. So has a lot of credits there around things that are more dramatic, psychological thriller-esque, so that has the chops to deliver the frames and the shots that I think would make this film you know, even more effective if it, if it does ultimately go a more psychological brooding route, which it seems like it's going to. Yeah. All right, Scott, your number three. What is it? Uh, well, it's from a director who definitely has more than three films. Uh, two sure? or three films. Uh, this is David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future. Um, and, you know, I had really had a choice uh, between, am I going to pick David Cronenberg's or film Brandon. or am I going to pick Brandon's film? You know, Brandon's movie, uh, Possessor, was my number two movie of 2020. Yeah. It's now my top 100. I think that movie's incredible. Um, so that might have been the direction where he thought I would have gone. And I'm definitely excited for his movie, Infinity Pool, with uh, Alexander Skarsgård and Mia Goth, which is also going to be a horror, surreal horror type sure. film. Um, but I am more excited for uh, Crimes of the Future, I think, because this is David Cronenberg, uh, seems to be getting back to his roots as the king of body horror. Um, that was what he made his name off of uh, with you know movies like Videodrome and The Fly and um, Scanners. Uh, you know, he, he is kind of the... The, the guy when you think about that subgenre of horror. And he has not made a body horror film. He hasn't really made a horror film in over 20 years at this point. His last movie was um, Maps to the Stars way back in 2014, I believe, that which was just a weird movie. Um, it wasn't really my favorite, but not a horror film, really. Um, and again, he hasn't really made a horror film. You have to go back qu quite a ways because mid two thousands he was, he was doing making History of Violence and, and Eastern Promises. Eastern Promises yeah. Yeah. Um, so you have to go back to like Existence and stuff he did during the nineties, I think. But Vigo is in this. Yes, his muse Vigo Mortensen, um, who he has worked with quite a few times now. Uh, you know, we mentioned History of Violence, Eastern Promises, A Dangerous Method. Um, you know, like I said, he's he's his muse. They work together well. Eastern Promises being, you know, my favorite one of his movies and one of Vigo, you know, Vigo, my favorite Vigo Mortensen performance also. Um, you know, so I'm excited to see them teaming back up again. But yeah, the setup of this movie is like, it's very complex if you read about it. It's like humans have evolved like some ability to grow organs and stuff, like new organs and... Yeah. Um, and Normal uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. and uh, what's his face? Vigo Mortensen is going to be like some performance artist who like does all kinds of stuff with the organs, apparently, for entertainment. So, Christ. again, full-on body horror, I'm expecting, which uh, is, is again, right in Cronenberg's wheelhouse. But and in the wheelhouse of Neon, who I believe is the one yeah. distributing. And oh, I think they helped produce it as well. 
And they also, of course, distributed Possessor. Um, yep. I don't know if they're doing Infinity Pool as well, but I would suspect that they last are. Year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, definite body horror. <laughs> Definitely the most notable body horror film in years, Titan. Uh, but yeah. Spirit. But yeah, um, Leia Sedu and Kristen Stewart are also going to be in Crimes of the Future. Um, mm-hmm. So good cast. It's it's cool that he's getting a big cast, um, you know, big names to do what is seems to be is going to be a very out there movie. Um, at least if, given his track record. Uh, is Vigo ready for this? I mean, I, I saw him in the 20th anniversary Lord of the Rings cast Q&A, and the guy looks like he has aged. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's probably already been filmed at this point. Um, again, sure, but... another one I think there might be a question mark on when it's coming out in 2022, but it is expected to come out this year. Um, but yeah, very excited. David Cronenberg is a very talented auteur um visionary director and it will be very interesting to see him playing in sort of the sandbox in which he made his name um sure in the 70s and 80s so um yeah crimes of the future my number three yeah i i've only seen his non-horror films i've only seen things like a history of violence and eastern promises um both big fans of both those movies very good films um, I kind of want to revisit them. I was thinking about revisiting them recently. When definitely I watched... rewatch. They're both good, but definitely rewatch Eastern Promises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm a big fan. So Vigo won for History of Violence, no? Did he? He did not. Oh, he uh, didn't? Okay. He, I don't know if he was nominated for History of Violence. He was definitely nominated for Eastern Promises. But... I thought he was for History of Violence. Maybe not. He has not won an Oscar. Okay. Well, that's a shame. Um, he, he just had such an incredible 2000s. I don't know how he didn't end up winning an Oscar. He had Lord of the yeah. Rings and then all that stuff. But anyway... Uh, yeah, look, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's I don't know if I'll go back and watch some of those more, you know, origin of David Cronenberg type movies. They don't really seem like my speed of film. Probably not. Um, but he's certainly a director that has impressed me in the past. So uh, getting to see a modern take on maybe some of his original type of film is something that interests me. I guess I'll I'll put it that way. All right, my number three. You know, just a few minutes ago when we started this podcast. Or started, or we're about to record this podcast. I had a different uh, name for this film uh, in in my list, and it was Untitled Dor Project. Uh, but apparently, I cor- I've corrected myself, and it is called Canterbury Glass, which is David O. Russell's upcoming film with a cast list that would, I mean, just numb. We don't have the time. Numb just, your we eyes. We don't have the time. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, Margot Robbie and Annie Taylor Joy are in it. I'll just say that for Scott's benefit. Uh, just to remind him that he should be excited about this movie. You don't movie. even name the most notable person for sure. my benefit being in it, but yes. Oh, sorry, who's the most notable person? Well, that would be Taylor Swift, I believe. But. Yeah, I just <laughs> assume that's going to be like basically a cameo, but yes, Taylor that's Swift right. is in it. Christian Bale, uh, John David Washington, I won't say Remy Malek's name for your benefit, Robert De Niro. The The cast list is, is really long on this one as well. Some of his usuals, of course, uh, but also some people who are, I assume, new to David O. Russell. He's got his normal cinematographer, Emmanuel Lebesky, and it's going to be a story about a doctor and a lawyer, which I assume is Christian Bale and Margot Robbie, um, form an unlikely partnership. Who knows, though? I mean, who absolutely... I'm not even sure the cast knows probably yeah. who they're playing in this movie. They're just like, so this thing's been kept just under wraps like crazy. It's coming out in November. I can't imagine this won't be on the festival circuit if it's ready and done and, and going to be shown. Um such an interesting person, you know, writer, director, auteur type, but like lots of people complain about him, yet he's able to get this kind of cast list. It's yeah. just very strange to me. I don't fully understand it, but it is a full ensemble cast. He has Hildner Gunnatotter, 
who is doing the score, who I believe was doing the score for Women uh, Women Talking as well, I was looking at earlier. So she's got a busy year after winning for Joker a couple years back. So very impressive um, year looking for her. And yeah, look, he made one of my favorite romantic comedies of all time with Silver Linings Playbook. He's missed since then, I would say, with things like American Hustle and Joy. But if he can, you know, recapture something of that ilk um, with Silver Linings Playbook, although I don't, I don't think this is going to be a romantic comedy. I think it's going to be more of a period film, period type film. Then I'll be, you know, more than ready to, you know, go back and see this multiple times. Yeah, I mean, it probably is surprising to people that I don't have a movie with Anya Taylor Joy and Taylor Swift on my list. And Margot Robbie. Uh, and Margot Robbie, yeah. Um, David O. Russell's really what's holding me back from being know, like know, completely yeah. in on it because I, lo- I do love Silver Lang's Playbook. You know, you mentioned it. I, I'm a big fan of that movie as well. Not enthused with his other work. Um, American Hustle is a movie. Is another. It's a movie. It's like, a movie like this that has a you know huge cast. Like when that sure. came out, we were like, wow, you know, Amy Adams and Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence and Jeremy Renner and just you know a lot of great people in it. But um, just flopped and was just a nothing burger of a movie. Like really, like so forgettable. Um, and Joy, I mean, who has thought about the film Joy in the last six years since yep. it's come out? Um, but so he kind of went away though he after did. Joy, and he now did. he's come back with like this insane cast, like you said. So I don't know what to expect. Um, I, you know, it, it, the director part of it does make me a little nervous, but like these actors, you know. It's just heavy hitter after heavy hitter, people who have never failed me with stuff. So, yeah. it, again, this is one that could absolutely turn out to be one of my three or four favorite movies of the year. Um, David O. Russell's name is just what gives me pause at this point. I just have great hopes, Scott. Christian Bale is back. He's ready to do some more stuff. He's got Thor Love and Thunder this year, too, where he's playing the villain. I mean, the guy, the guy, Christian Bale, the more I think about Christian Bale, the more I feel like he's like probably the best working actor. It's like him or Adam Driver. Leonardo DiCaprio is certainly up there, but I'm just saying, like, most recently, last few years, what they've been doing has just been, like, unstoppable, I feel like. Um, even if, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Cruise will still be higher in estimation in my mind, just the body of work. But, yeah, I'm, I'm super thrilled for this movie. Check back in a year if I regret that. Yeah, um, I mean, no one will blame you, I don't think, for being excited about it just because of the cast, um, even sure. if David O. Russell's track record is a little spotty. So um, I certainly hope it's very good because I want, you know, Anya Taylor-Joy and Taylor Swift and all these people to but succeed. But who knows how things. long these people are even going to be in the movie, Exactly. Right? Like, Margot Robbie looks like she's going to be a lead. Sure. But, I mean, Anya Taylor-Joy could be in the same for like two minutes. Who even knows? Yeah, but, I, I mean, again, people like that, do they even think it's worth their time? I mean, Anya Taylor-Joy is a star at this point like she has yeah. a lot of stuff that she's working on she doesn't have to do this movie presumably yeah um, agreed is there something that's worth her time in there i mean you would think so and that could, that just goes back to my point it's, i just find it astounding that a director who it seems like a lot of people who work with him complain about working with them ends up getting a cast like this for an ensemble film money um, talks yeah i mean maybe but i don't i mean what is the budget for this film i don't even know it's probably not even reported yet but it's all going to the actors. Whatever it ends up being, it's all going to the actors, I guarantee you. Yeah, no budget right now listed for this thing. Okay, Scott, business end of the list, top two. Tell me, what is it? 
I just realized, you know, people are probably going to cancel me because I have like all white men directors um, that are yeah. uh, on my list. But sorry, I'm a white man. It's just the, the films that connect that's, with me sometimes. That's a take. All right. Go ahead. Um, yeah, it's a take to say <laughs> you that. Le- you leaned in certainly there. Okay. It's a take to say I'm a white man. You know. Well, no, you just certainly leaned into it. <laughs> I'll keep going. Yeah. Well, I, look, my track record is good on these sort of things. If you want me to go back and. Uh, His track record on white men is good. <laughs> no, I mean on I diverse mean. films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just happened to work out that way again not something that i deliberately thought about but i didn't even think about the fact that literally even all your honorable mentions are all white men (laughs) sorry uh i'm i am excited for other films too but uh my next film is noah bombach's white noise scott um (laughs) even has white in the title look at that yeah (laughs) sorry um but yeah we're talking about you know noah bombach probably one of my five or six favorite working directors i've seen all of his movies except for like a couple in the 90s um all of his post 2000 movies um and you know you just have some movies that i love in there like you have some movies that i love in there like francis ha and mistress america while we're young um you know just a lot of great stuff squid and the whale um and this is arguably his most ambitious film to date um, he's adapting a book by don delillo which is unadaptable right yeah one of those like elena ferrante which we saw last year or dune obviously being a great example of a book that like people have often talked about is this is just too difficult to adapt this is your with, dune with dune i think it was all about the world building and that made it difficult to adapt here i think it's just the themes and everything are really heady are really like high level yeah. you know like stuff i mean the main character is a professor of hitler studies right exactly that's, yeah, yeah. Um, which is attention grabbing right off the bat um but it, it it's just it seems like it's the type of thing that doesn't isn't necessarily feel cinematic when you read it i guess is ultimately what i'm saying it's more sure. just a philosophical on the page type thing and um, most notably not an original story i mean you just mentioned it right but it's his first film that's not an original first story. adapted screenplay yeah uh fir- first at film that you know he's doing based on another work um but yeah i mean this is maybe it is my dune um i, I don't know but uh yeah i mean the, the movie well you're not a, i guess you're not a fan of the book so maybe it doesn't it's not quite the same true I, I don't know yeah. that much about the book but i have heard a lot of great things about it a lot i think there's a lot of pressure on him probably from sure people who are fans of this book to get it right in the same way that maybe there was with dune but um cast wise we got Adam Driver, as you would expect. He's worked with Bombeck a number of times now. We also have um, Bombeck's partner. Speaking of muses. Greta Gerwig, yeah. um, who is returning to acting for the first time since uh, Mistress America, which um, was back in 2016, 2015, 2017, somewhere in there. Um but yeah, so that that is exciting to see her. I mean, obviously, I love her as a director and writer, um, but I also love her as an actor. And she was in Twentieth Century Woman. Twentieth Century Woman was subsequent to that. You're right, um, and she did voice work in Isle of Dogs, things like that. Sure, sure, doesn't really count. The same. Uh, but I love her as a performer too. Um, so it's it's great to see her back and working with Bombac, who again I think has gotten her best performance work outside of Twentieth Century Women um, in Frances Ha and Mistress America and Greenberg. Um, so I, you know, that part of it, very exciting. Don Cheadle and Jodie Turner-Smith are also in this movie, two people that, um, he has not worked with before, um, but name actors, obviously we just saw Jodie Turner-Smith in After Yang, uh, the Which Co- is out now. Koganata film, yep, on Showtime, yeah. go watch that, and in theaters. Um, but yeah, um, so it's Noah Baumbach, it's, uh, you know, big... It's going to be a big film. It's going to be Oscar season, I would expect. It's an Netflix um, movie. 
Yeah, it is a Netflix movie. I would expect it to be one of their big, bigger plays. Um, Certainly for screenplay at the very least. But yeah, I just don't know what exactly to expect from the story and the plot and the themes of this thing because mm-hmm. it, it there is so much talk about it being this sort of uncinematic thing. Um, but he's a new cinematographer as well. Okay, for this film, different. But there is a description of it as being at once hilarious and horrifying. So um, he <laughs> does not? hilarious very well. I do think a lot of his films are very very funny. And his last film, Marriage Story, was quite horrifying at times. Um, in its own way. So uh, White Noise, uh, huge, huge, uh, hugely anticipating this movie. Absolutely. Uh, Alessandra Nivola, who has been in like three of the movies we talked about so far, but like further down the cast list. (laughs) I feel like we probably should just say the name at some point and recognize that this person is in a bunch of the movies we've talked about, but is much further down the cast list. That's, yeah, White Noise. I mean, Noah Baumbach, someone who... I like, I mean, I loved Marriage Story. I think anyone who's been listening to the podcast since then would know that. I've watched some of his earlier movies, and none of them have grabbed me in the same way. I've still liked them, but none of them grabbed me the same way. So I'm wondering what White Noise is going to be like. Is it going to be, for me, you know, more like Marriage Story? Because there's certainly a a family. I mean, so many of his movies have family drama inserted into them in in very meaningful ways. But is it going to grab me like Marriage Story? Or is it... Or am I going to feel like a little bit more at arm's length, like maybe I have from some of his other work? So curious to see that for myself. Um, my number two, and we're getting deep into the franchise world now. My my top two is going to be are going to be franchise movies. Is an animated film. I think it's, is it the only animated film on either of our lists. I guess I had Lightyear as well. So yeah, that's right. You're a noted hater of animated movies, and I am not hater. No, just they don't turn out to be my favorites a no, lot that's, of the time. That, that's fair. But I think we can both agree that. The first film in this particular franchise or sub-franchise, however you want to call it, was each, you know, for both of us, one of our favorite movies from 2018. Yes. This is the sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse called Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. Uh, I'm really going to love that episode title. That's going to be a nice long episode title when we review that movie. But this is going to have um, the main cast from Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse mostly returning. So Shamik Moore who voiced Miles Morales in Into the Spider-Verse, is returning. Haley Steinveld, who who was Gwen Stacy in that movie, is returning. Jake Johnson, who was the Peter B. Parker, it will be returning. I think there's going to be some more people. I think is Zoe Kravitz returning as Mary Jane? Is that... I, don't, I haven't seen that. That might be true. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just asking. Yeah, yeah no, maybe. I know Issa Rae is going to be in this one, who I believe is playing Jessica Drew, who's Spider-Woman, um, in one of the universes that they end up in. I don't know. But... So most of the cast coming back, I, I mean, look, Scott, I still think Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is the best Spider-Man movie, um, full stop, but certainly better than any of the other ones we've gotten in the last few years. I haven't revisited the Raimi trilogy to reevaluate that. I know you have more recently, but I absolutely loved this film back from 2018. I think it was my number two, maybe from that year. Uh, behind searching, same. Yeah, I think that was an. Yeah, that's right. We had we had the same one and two from that year. That's what was that's what was crazy. I believe about so. That. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It's going to be directed by Joaquin dos Santos, Justin K. Thompson, and I think maybe most recognizably Kemp Powers, who helped um, write and helped direct a little bit, maybe Soul with Pete Doctor. I don't remember if he actually co-directed. He Pete also uh, wrote One Night in Miami. Yeah, maybe that's maybe he just co-wrote it with Doctor. Maybe that's what it was with with Soul. But he was a very busy man a couple years ago, to your point, during the... I guess he was busy before the pandemic, but during the pandemic when his movies came out, like you mentioned, um, he was a big part of that. This is, of course, 
produced and written by Lord and Miller, which I think is a big part of it um, for us, especially as it relates to animated movies, because you're a huge fan of the Lego movie. I certainly was a huge fan All of... All Lord Miller stuff, really. Yeah, I haven't seen the Jump Street. They're Jump Street, right? Yes. I haven't seen yeah. Jump Street, but everyone tells me I'm going to like Jump Street Incredible whenever I movies, watch it. Yeah. yeah, so I probably should watch that. But I'm really looking forward to, to this film. Oscar Isaac, who briefly appeared as the voice of Spider-Man, I don't know, 2090... I forget the exact name of that particular character. Uh, Spider-Man 2099. So he's going to be in the film. The guy's doing like everything superhero, I guess, now, because he's about to do Moon Knight on Disney Plus, and he's voicing this character. But just really, I have every reason to be excited. I absolutely do not think this movie is going to let me down. The It, it is in part one, part two, which I think is a bit weird. I'm kind of glad that they're, frankly, glad that they're coming out up front and saying that it is like part one of a two-part story. I kind of prefer when people do that. I kind of knew that was going to be the case with Dune, even though no one really, they didn't really talk about that. So I'm glad knowing going in that that's how it's going to be. And so that I won't get distracted by that, thinking that, okay, how is the story going to wrap up in you know, X number of minutes that's left in the film or whatever. So getting out in front of that is, is useful. And I look, I feel like this is going to be my top ten this year. It could very well be in mine too, Scott. Yeah, I mean, uh, I love Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. At the time, I believe I did say it was my favorite Spider-Man film. In revisiting the Raimi films in recent year, I do like the first two Raimi films more. But, really? Okay, uh, both of them. Yeah, okay. but I mean, they're, we're talking about three five-star movies. Oh, absolutely. Opinion. Five out of five-star movies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely love Into the Spider-Verse. And, you know, again, we are at a time when I'm almost getting Spider-Man fatigue in a way after No Way Home was just this huge thing, you know, bringing back all eras yeah. of Spider-Man. But that is also kind of how we felt when the first Spider-Verse came out. Sure. And it was just such a new thing. It was such its own breath of fresh Be- because air. Because the what Homecoming had just come out like the year before, I yes, think, yes. in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the Garfield films were not that even that long before that. It was just True. like, it seems like there's always something going on with Spider-Man. And we're in that place again. But, yeah, I mean, Into the Spider-Verse was something, you know, uh, so new at the time that um, I am excited. That, style. Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to, you know, it's just, it feels so different. Lord and Miller had a huge part to do with that. The, you know, racial aspect of it was obviously something new that it breathed into the Spider-Man franchise as well. Um, and, you know, you mentioned somebody like Kemp Powers directing. Obviously, he's not writing, but, like, he's been supervising, you know, Soul and One Night in Miami, which are two great films about the black experience. Um, so I think, you know, that was some of the appeal of uh, Into the Spider-Verse, and I expect that that will be an element of Across the Spider-Verse as well that they're not going to ignore. Um, yeah, I would think so. I don't think they ignored yeah. it in the first one either. No, no, and I'm yeah. not saying that they did. Yeah. Certainly. So, Yeah. Definitely, you know, anticipating this film a lot. Franchise movies just like don't usually come in high on my list. That's fine. But Nothing like, if we are, if I was to rank franchise movies that are coming out this year, this could very well be the number one that I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah. So. And Daniel Pemberton is doing the score again. He did the score for the first one. Obviously, the first one also had a killer soundtrack mm-hmm. as well. So I'm expecting that also. If I'm if I'm being totally unbiased and, and pressing pause for a second, it is a different set of directors. Um, it was, I believe... You know, Rodney Rothman, Bob Parachetti. And, and, yeah, and Peter Ramsey yeah. directed the first one. So it is a different set of directors. Again, because Lord and Miller are still writing, they're still executive producing, overseeing the project, not overly concerned about that, and the talent's still there. And clearly they, they have such a very tangible vision for what they want the feel of these movies to be that I'm just, like, not concerned. But that is, if there was going to be one thing that I pointed to, be like, okay, maybe this is... A little bit of a concern. Yeah. 
or it gives me a little bit of pause, that that might be it. Lord and Miller, again, though, just people who have not done anything that has failed me, to, in my opinion. Again, the Solo. Lego stuff is great. Um, they got kicked out of Solo. They didn't but really yeah. Yeah, have anything to do with that. The Lego stuff was great. I love the Jump Street movies. I hear, you know, Mitchell's versus the Machines, they had some part in. Um, oh, did they help write that? Or I did think they produce or produced or it, yeah. Okay. And it was very much like in their style, I, I felt like. And, sure. Um, and then I hear good things about their TV show, The After Party, which has just come out. For the um, Apple TV Plus show? Yes. Um, yeah. I hear I've heard good things about that. So um, I think it's safe to rely on them at this point. All right, Scott. Well, tell us the white male director that you can rely on most uh, this year with your number one, which, frankly, Scott, it, it could have been my number one, too. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, you're talking about safe bets, right, as far as yeah. that a movie is going to be good. There may not be a safer bet of any movie coming out in 2022 than Killers of the Flower Moon, which is my number one most Maybe The Fablements, but... Yeah, that too. Which we haven't talked about, but... Although Spielberg won't. has been a little spotty in, like, you know... Recently, but sure. yeah, um, I agree. West Side Story, washed. Other than West Side I'm Story, kidding. obviously, but... <laughs> okay, anyway, sorry, Martin Scorsese. Yeah, yes, Martin Scorsese, yeah, yeah, he's a good director. I don't know if you've heard of him, but uh, Killers of the Flower Moon is going to be his next film, his first film since The Irishman, uh, which was in my top five of 2019. Sure. Um, I love that movie. I love most of Scorsese's work, Um and I think this is just going to be such a fascinating story. It is kind of about the FBI's investigation into the one of the first instances of serial murders that were investigated um, that took place on a uh, Indian reservation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something I've talked about a lot on the podcast, but like um, Native American stories and like stories that are adjacent to the Native American world are like a subset that I find to be really interesting. Uh, I, do, I just find something very interesting about their culture and history and everything. So that aspect of it. Um, is also drawing me to it in addition to the obvious stuff that is drawing me to it. Um, but Martin Scorsese, you know, it's going to be a crime film. It's going to be very much in his wheelhouse. He is, you know, perhaps the greatest director of crime films of all time. Um, there is the possibility, It's again, it's about a murder investigation, so it could have a more procedural feel to it, which, again, is something that really gets me going. Uh, I would expect to. I mean, Scorsese has... You know, track record for procedural type as well. I mean, something like Shutter Island, I think, is a bit procedural. Yeah, sure. Um, and you mentioned Shutter Island there, Scott. The star of Shutter Island, Leonardo DiCaprio, is his also most noticed. His film. most notable Scorsese film, of course. Yes, of course. Yeah, um, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, but... he, he's also going to be in this film. You know, he he's was, not the star. Though. He's not the star. Yeah. Originally, he was going to be, but um, Jesse Plemons um, is playing is the FBI. Now agent. going to be given the lead yeah. role. Um, you know, one of the biggest up-and-coming actors over the last few years, Jesse Plemons. Sorry, the uh, Texas Ranger. He's not playing the FBI agent. Okay. He's playing the Texas uh, Ranger. And maybe DiCaprio's the FBI agent, but... Um, um, maybe. Yeah, not sure. But, um, yeah, Je- Jesse Plemons is somebody that I'm, you know, a really big fan of. He's been in so many great movies over the last couple of years. The Power of the Dog, Judas and the Black Messiah, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, like movies I really love. So, sure. um, I-, I think he's an exciting actor, and it's exciting to see him. He got an Oscar nomination, right, this past year. He's certainly going to be firmly in the race again, I would think, this year um, in the leading role of, you know, one of the biggest movies coming out this year. One of the biggest movies that non-franchise movies, I guess I should say. I mean, Um, also purely budget. I mean, this thing is costing truckloads of money, $200 million. It was sold to Apple TV Plus um, from Paramount because I just think that Paramount doesn't believe they can make their money back on it uh, in theaters, you know, a couple years back, especially when the pandemic, after the pandemic hit. They may very well be right that they wouldn't be able to make that money back in theaters, even with people like DiCaprio and Scorsese in it. But Apple TV Plus is certainly taking a bet and would love to work with Martin Scorsese. And frankly, 
they might ha- be Best Picture winning Apple TV Plus very shortly. And, I mean, could they win it two years in a row? Yeah, that would be pretty crazy if Apple does that and dunks on Netflix and Amazon. But yeah, yeah, I mean, Brendan Fraser is also going to be in this movie talking about actors who are kind of having a comeback. You know, a lot of people loved him in No Sudden Move last year. He's also going to be in that Darren Aronofsky film, The Whale. Um, Robert De Niro, you know, what nothing needs to be said about him and nothing needs to be said about his history with Scorsese, John Lithgow. And then um, Lily Gladstone, who is a Native American actress that... um, a lot of people talked about um, for kind of her role in the film Certain Women, a Kelly Reichert film from several years back. Our, her performance in that movie was kind of a breakout, you know, like nobody had really heard of her, was a big deal at the time and one that people like were really touting as like an underrated Oscar candidate. Obviously, she didn't get the nomination, but... Um, she was also yeah. in First Cow. Kelly Reichert. Yeah, she was. She didn't have a, a major yeah. role in First Cow, but, um, you know, in... Uh, certain women, she you know apparently went toe to toe with some big name actresses I mean, like Laura Dern, Laura Dern and yeah. Kristen Stewart. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Killers of the Flower Moon goes without saying. Um, you know, this is going to be probably absolutely incredible. Like I said, and I feel ve- on very safe footing with putting this as number one anticipated. That mm-hmm. at the end of the year, I'm going to come back and say. I did a good job. Okay, Scott, this is going to be the most challenging question. I promise you this is going to be the most difficult question you're going to have to answer on this podcast. Over, under 150 minutes. Over. Okay. I thought I would make it over, under At least 160, I would say. Yeah, uh, 180 felt a little too high. I was trying to find the, the right sweet spot there. Yeah. Okay. That's an over on 150 for Scott, Silt, for Scott Harvey there. Okay, my number one, I said it was a franchise film. It's another Netflix movie. Scott, we've talked about a bunch of Netflix films, mostly on your list, I guess. But this one, not originally a Netflix film. This was originally uh, the first one in this franchise from a couple years ago. Came out via Lionsgate. Um, but they could not hold on to this director and this franchise um, to the same degree that they would have liked. Uh, and that is Knives Out 2. A film that was in my top ten list and the banger of a year that was 2019. It's probably only risen in my... Um, I guess sort of like like analysis of it since then. Not because I feel like oh this is just such an amazing movie, but like wow I just enjoy this every single time that I watch it um, to such just to such a degree that you know it's it's amazing. I mean Daniel Craig will be returning as Benoit Blanc, the lead detective. Ryan Johnson, of course, returning to write and direct this film um, and produce it through his, his company T Street Productions. The cast list, as you'd expect from the first Knives Out film, is just sort of like bonkers ensemble cast. You're going to have Ed Norton, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Ethan Hawke, Madeline Klein. I say that as if she's like this big name, but obviously not. But from you know the Outer Banks show, Dave sure. Bautista, Janelle Monet, Kate Hudson, Jessica Henwick, who you know started to make her name, I think, last year as Bugs in Matrix Resurrections. So I just think that there's a lot in this ensemble cast. I have complete and total faith in Ryan Johnson. To deliver on this movie. I think he's a guy who's not typically interested in sequels, and so I think it's very interesting that he's decided to make a sequel. I mean, granted, I'm sure the $300 million that Netflix, I think, paid for the Knives Out 2 and 3, probably a lot of that is going to him um, to keep making these movies, but and him and Daniel Craig specifically, probably. But I just, I just, am, I love this first film. I watch it every year at this point. I cannot wait to see what the sequel has in store. It's supposed to come out this year. 
it's I just can't help but think this is going to be hilarious and that I'm going to absolutely love this film. Will it be a, a number one? I would not think so. But will it be in my top ten again? And will I love this film and revisit it multiple times in the next you know three four years? I I have complete faith that that will be the case. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the theme for this episode is just we're just relying on people who have really never let us down. I think Ryan Johnson firmly in that camp for both of us. Yeah, um, the only one I haven't seen is what the brothers. The brothers bloom. The yeah. brothers bloom. I haven't seen that one either. But. I've really enjoyed every one of his films mm-hmm. besides. Yeah, uh, he's a great director. Knives Out was obviously a breath of fresh air when it came out, a original movie that did very, very well at the box office, hence and, why they yeah. gave it a sequel. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, now going back on my statement about Across the Spider-Verse being number one franchise movie, I, I, you know, I almost don't even think of it as a franchise movie because it's yeah. you know original property, which you just don't really see that much happening anymore. Uh, but this one is probably also in contention. So I think as far as... Your list, Scott. You did. The, you got it I right. I picked the right franchise. You, yeah, movies. you did. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the the first Knives Out was really just so much fun. Very cleverly written. Um, oh God, totally. Super fun cast. You know, bringing back the sort of drawing room mystery, which um, is a genre that it is a genre. Uh, it yeah, it's a genre. It's a genre that is unfortunately a bit out of style, but maybe making a comeback now, right? Yeah, but between Knives Kenneth Branagh and Ryan Johnson, yeah, they're I mean, it back. both of the Kenneth Branagh Poirot films have done pretty, fairly well, I think, uh, financially. And I haven't checked Death on the Nile, but I think I think it did yeah. pretty well. But um, obviously, Knives Out did very well. So totally. Um, it won't have to do well though, because it's coming out from Netflix, so yeah. it doesn't have to do well in theaters. Yeah, that that is a different angle, but and that just feels like an automatic hit for Netflix, right? Like it did so well totally. at the box office, like everyone's gonna watch this thing. Yeah, that's a, that's a definitely a safe bet for Netflix, and again, a safe bet for us. I think uh, you know, assuming that the movie's gonna be good. Yeah, and just to take a moment and say that I love living in New York City, the fact that I will actually get to see this in a theater is really exciting for me as well. So I don't have to stress about trying to see if a local theater is going to actually show it or not. Um, because this is the kind of Netflix film that local theaters probably wouldn't show. Like, I wouldn't expect Aperture to show Knives Out too, right? It's, like, a little bit too high budget to make it into, like, a Netflix theater. It doesn't have, like, an auteur director like yeah. Scorsese with the Irishman or something like that. Yeah. I, Aperture may not be the best example because they don't really just show Netflix movies in general. I guess they did show The Irishman. I did see The Irishman there, but I feel like recently... They didn't show Power of the Dog? I don't think so. No, I don't. That's think shocking. It, it, I went to the, the Chelsea the Theater in in Chapel Hill to see the Power of the Dog. That's crazy. I didn't see it here. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, I don't know if they showed it later on, but like yeah, they did. Maybe interesting. Well, either way, excited for Knives Out too. Frankly, Scott, I'm excited for every movie that we've talked about today. Yours list and mine. Yeah. Um. Certainly, you know, some more than others, but why, uh, that's always going to be the case. But Scott, that thing that'll do it. We talked about twenty movies here. Ish twenty one. If you want to count, we also threw an asteroid city. At the Can beginning. I add one more no. before we go? No, please, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> Persuasion, a Jane Austen adaptation with Dakota Johnson, uh, God, is Dakota coming Johnson. out later this year. Yeah, Dakota yeah. Johnson. Um, you know, just Having one of those one of those actors that in the last three sixty five three hundred sixty five days has really been crushing it. Um, I love you know uh, Jane Austen's work and period stories like this and. With yeah. Dakota Johnson up front, you know, I think it's going to be great. And where the crawdads sing, too, I'll just throw one more in for the road just because I watched the trailer this morning. <laughs> uh, I like the book, Daisy Edgar Jones, you know, yeah. a big role for her, new Taylor Swift song. Let's, That's the let's real do reason it. why yeah. you're excited. No, I'm let's kidding. No, I know you're excited for other reasons than that. I guess if I had to throw another thing, I'm just going to say, guys, go watch After Yang, a fantastic film that is now out. If you can't find it in a theater, like Scott said, you can find it on Showtime where they have their distribution deal. And then another Sundance film that we didn't we mentioned at the beginning, but just to say it again, Cha Cha Real Smooth when that comes out, I think it has a release date actually. Now Apple TV Plus acquired Apple Apple acquired it 
They're releasing it over the summer at some point. Please watch this film. Such a good film. Yeah, and you know, again, there's there's great movies out right now. Like I said, I mean, uh, go watch yeah. watch Kimmy and X, the two movies I mentioned earlier. X is in theaters right now. Kimmy is right there on HBO Max. Those are two again could be favorites of the year for me when all is said and done, and they're yeah. already out. So another banger. We've already started off strong. Yeah, and just imagine the films we don't know about already. They're going to make our top ten list. Exactly. Yeah. Very cool. All right, Scott. Where can people find you on Twitter? At Scarby Dent. And I am at Shelton 2013 on Twitter. You can find uh, at those places on Letterboxd as well. Please follow our podcast on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash mediaplugpods. Check it out. If you can support us, we'd really appreciate that. If not, you can still listen to us on any podcast service where you get your podcasts. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. Rate, review, subscribe, share. We'd really appreciate that. And we really appreciate all of you for taking time out of your day to listen to us chat about all the movies we're really looking forward to in 2022. We'll be back next week with a review of Philip Scott Harvey's most anticipated film of 2021. That is the Netflix coming-of-age animated film from Richard Linklater, Apollo 10 and a half. We hope you'll join us then. But until then, for Scott Harvey, I'm Scott Shelton. We'll see you next time. We'll see you down the road. Bye.